Welcome to the Evolving Enterprises podcast, stories of growth and transformation. Today, we're going to look at governing and how important governance is to an organization. I'm joined by Prashel. Prashel's going to have a look at the psychological perspective of the work that we're, we're doing. So let's begin thinking about governance and what governance really is. Governance involves two things. It involves setting a vision for what you want, and then it involves making sure that you've got to that vision. So the measurement process to see whether you're on track to delivering that vision. Those two elements have to be present in a governance system for it to work really well. And when we think about sort of making that uh, process work, it's vital to know precisely what we're aiming for. And if we're going to be able to get those, we can govern the system appropriately. A sort of overall vision of do, you know, do something useful doesn't really help. An overall vision of, or we just want to make a profit. It still doesn't help with what is it that's good in your organization? What do you really value? What input is needed from all the people in order to deliver what's required together? So we're going to have a look at governing all, all sorts of different organizations. And we're going to have a quick view of public sector governance and how things might be working in, in that area. So the, the key to, to governance is setting that vision and making sure you're monitoring it. If you don't set that well, and if you don't monitor it well, then you'll very often end up delivering the wrong thing, extremely well possibly, <laughs> you know, delivering the wrong thing. So we need to make sure that we've got that really well established. And it sounds quite straightforward, but it's amazing how difficult that can be sometimes. I always worry about these mission statements from organizations. You find them particularly in the public sector where there's an awful lot of different elements that are needed. What are you here for? What's, what are you going to be proud of? What's your legacy going to be in the future? What really matters to you? That gets you much more into what does good really look like? And stemming then from that is how you're going to measure it. We've, we've struggled for a very long time to govern our public sector organizations uh, really well. And there's a lot of evidence that we, we are still struggling um, with getting governments absolutely right. Uh, I'm just looking uh, over, over my shoulder at the moment at the, the output from a 2013 to 2022 review by the Infrastructure and Projects Authority on the UK's major project portfolio. So in the UK, we're spending about £600 billion of public money and our whole life cost on delivering uh, a whole range of projects. And the, the numbers vary, but the 2022 uh, number was 235 projects. So in that group, you would find the High Speed 2, the second High Speed Railway uh, link through the UK. You would find um, the new hospitals programme. You'd find the, the railways that are being bored under, the, under London and the, and the, uh, the city. So there's a whole range of different projects in there. Uh, they're all big, expensive things, and they're, they're all costing um, you know, uh, a lot of, lot of taxpayers' money. And so they, they should be governed really well. And the outcome that I'm, I'm looking at at the moment, it shows how confident we are that we're going to be able to deliver those projects on time. They, there's 27 of the 235 projects that are red, meaning that a successful delivery is unlikely. And there's 170 of them are amber. So there's a lot in there that are not sort of, you know, a sea of perfection. 
And, and I think that can be improved. I'm not suggesting that systems thinking and the approaches that I would recommend are magic wands and they're going to solve everything. But being able to govern them from the perspective of this is what we want, that would be ideal. I know there's a lot of political pressure in those, those projects uh, that are always is and anything that's, that's uh, being looked after by central government. Um, politicians change, political parties change. So uh, cushioning your project against some of those changes can be really difficult. And I think the um, people who are sort of leading them and in charge of those projects always recognise that uh, sort of making sure that they are you know, keeping up with the political sort of needs at, at this particular time can be a bit, uh, bit challenging. Uh, but I think there's a lot of scope for being able to do things in a different way. One of the uh, key issues that um, sort of came up when uh, my, one of my, my friend and colleague, Mike Bourne, and I looked at the major project portfolio was that all of these projects seem to be run as fixed target projects. And by fixed target, I mean, it's assumed that the endpoint is exactly known. It's assumed that the start point is exactly known. And it's assumed that the set of steps to get from the sort of start point to the end point can be worked out precisely. And you might think what it will be wanted if you're building a, a new bridge, a new tower block, a new railway. Isn't that the case? When you interview the people who are responsible for those major projects, you find, no, it's not really like that at all. So while the, the start and end point might be fixed, you generally have a group of contractors that you're working with, and those contractors are moving all the time. Companies come and go, and people leave the markets. Organisations, particularly in these turbulent financial times, are going bankrupt. They, there's a real difficulty in holding individuals to account to deliver elements of that when they themselves are moving around a lot. So actually, even if that were the case, that the start and end point is absolutely fixed, and you've already got the contractor network moving. Some of those projects are being delivered internationally. So you've got the movement of not only our political system, but the political system in the other nations, particularly if it's being delivered across a, a range of different nations. And so there's, there's actually quite a lot more movement there than you might think. And in the end, there's often movement within the projects. So there's a movement about... Uh, what the scope of the project should be and how much budget is allowed for that, uh, how much cost creep can be tolerated because costs will rise, uh, particularly in the, the sort of um, climate that we're in at the moment. We, we won't be able to hold fixed prices for very long, um, you know, given how much everything's rising. So the art of this is to govern it as a true moving target project, uh, govern it by using a staged approach using sprints, um, defining and, and detailing what you need by a sprint approach, and then looking at what the logical sprint approach is to deliver that, uh, that an outcome that you want. And so that, that can um, be a way of augmenting the, the approach that we traditionally take with the sort of approach that the computer science industry has given us in just build a bit and test a bit and keep on learning, keep on testing, keep yeah. on working with the environment. It brings your stakeholders in as well. You can, mm -hmm. can bring the, the groups of stakeholders in at different stages and review and actually have the opportunity to make significant changes. The, the, nothing's well, fixed. Nothing's fixed. Nothing's That's ever fixed. No, it's not. There used to be the kind of classic procurement approach in government. It used to be that you, you spent forever writing a requirement of what you wanted. Mm -hmm. And the test of that positively biblical tone 
was that someone else would try and think of how they could deliver something that wasn't what you wanted. Mm. And so you put more dense text into that already dense tone to, to uh, try and block all other avenues to deliver what was needed. So you would get what you wanted from it based on a specification that includes sort of everything in, everything down to the, the kitchen sink in a, a sort of massive great hospital. So that theoretically would get you value for money. But we soon realized that, first of all, it's, it's a complete waste of time writing all of that tone. And secondly, you can't really block every other avenue because it's, there's too much variety to use the sort of the term from the verbal system model. So it's just too many states that, that can be in. You can't think ahead. You can't think through all the, the, the possibilities. Yeah. And a, a clever contractor could deliver you something which meets the, the, the words on that page and doesn't quite meet your needs. That's what they're there to do. They are giving you a price that's the minimum possible price to deliver those words that you've identified. Mm. And actually, if it doesn't meet your needs, that's your problem because you've got to pay the contractor. If they've delivered what's <laughs> in that, that, um, that tone, then they are owed their money. So that approach to contracting is fraught with difficulties. So, you know, it's, it's fine for buying something that's standard, that's off the shelf, et cetera, but it doesn't work with these complex um, projects. So the whole uh, idea of everything's moving around, I think, is, is something that we need to embrace and we need to really be able to move forward from. How do we really go and deal with governance? How do we go and get the, the best out of our systems to, to achieve that? We start from the top in terms of why, what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it. And then we figure out what the controls need to be in place to be able to deliver this as we need to. And ultimately, we need to really focus on what's needed at the end of each stage of this. If we break it up into sprints, what is it that we really need to do in each sprint to uh, maximize what we get from this? Yeah. So the, you know, ultimately, the ideal way is that we have these regular gatherings of stakeholders and we adjust and tune that system so that when it's delivered, uh, what's delivered is the, the most useful and most amazing system possible. And we can do that. There's all kinds of ways of bringing great people in to, to deliver what we need, but we need to be open to that. And if we've closed our system down from day one, then we lose the chance of being able to bring in new people, bring, be able to yeah. bring in that sort of, that, that, that group, if, if, we, if you could deliver your government system, system as, as you want to, what would be the effects of it? And I think the first effect would be that people wouldn't have to work so hard to deliver a great output. From the moment we walk around any large organisation, any government department, people are working so hard and they're given so many different tasks. You've got sort of responsibility for this and for this, etc. It's quite hard to keep up with that. Private sector is better at saying you're responsible for this only. That's it. You focus on this and that's your one thing. And in the public sector, people tend to get much more great tones of things that they're responsible for. And it's very difficult to deliver all of that. That's near impossible. Even these days in running schools, if you look at what school head teachers are responsible for, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to deliver the totality of that job to be on top of all the recruitment and all the maintaining of standards in the school, as well as representing the school externally, as well as getting involved in all the safeguarding work, as well as all the other things yes. that are asked, uh, asked for. So I think we have to go back to a, a view of what's the most important thing? What is it that really matters to us? 
and what would be what what would we see as being um, great if we could deliver by the end of this month, this this year, etc. Something. What would that look like? So we can break up that project. So rather than it being a multi-year project, we're we're focusing on delivering something at the end of a sprint really well, and we're we're focused on sort of pulling people in and doing the, the best we can uh, with with all their talents and engaging them as best we 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 possibly can. So. One, one of the other things that we would gain by this is reducing pressure on individuals. And the more you can reduce pressure, the more creative they become. Um, it's amazing how uncreative people can be when they're, they're stuck in the middle of a project, where they, particularly where they feel that there's a punishment if it goes wrong, yeah. and where they, they feel like they can really contribute a lot to it. It's become the ultimate people who are running a system. They're there to keep the conveyor belt going. They're yeah. there to when just to move work forward, not there to sort of add the vast array of their expertise to it. So engaging people, bringing them in, helping them to have that more focus, more time to do a great job, that's another um, benefit that you would, you would see. And what we would also be able to do is we would be able to deliver really great things for our customers, Private sector organisations would find that their products and services are much more appreciated if we can govern the system really well. And in the public sector, we would find that our approach to delivering services was so much better. We were much better equipped at being able to deal with the challenges. I think a lot of the challenges in the um, public sector are around sort of just getting away from the kind of bureaucratic machine. There's so much process attached to everything. And it's so difficult to make changes. And so making changes can be really hard. And I think starting from the perspective of how would we govern this and how would we know what good looks like? And how can we encourage those people in the system to share that vision of good and to make sure that they, they invest their time in the things that are most beneficial to delivering that. That with the ability to put a governance system in there, which is agile and which can respond. The governance system for a startup part of a project will be very different from the delivery phases of a project. In the early, early days, you probably just need to make sure that the uh, kind of ideation is done appropriately and that you're, you've, you've got the right um, sort of you know, people involved. That the, the metrics that you're looking for are being delivered, which is to produce a, a clear sort of statement of vision, of approach, of, of sort of metrics for further phases. That's relatively straightforward in terms of being able to govern. Uh, and unfortunately, we tend to apply the same governance regime to that part of the project as, as well as the elements of the project where you've got maybe thousands of, of people working on a, a nice sort of a project where you're, you know, you're digging, you're mining, you're, you're doing you know, whatever. And actually, they're, they're very different. They're both, both phases are, are really different. So I think there's a great need for more development on governance, um, more training to be available for, for governance, um, particularly in the UK. If you talk to the people who are governing their large projects, they tend to be um, folk who've gradually made their way into governance from other things. There's, there's less of a real profession around governance. But actually, governance in itself is so vital. And it's vital both for the public and private sectors. Uh, governing organisations is um, immensely important. And when you think about how, how swiftly things change in, the, in, in, in any part of the environment now, in, in any yeah. area, the changes in finance from 
uh, a couple of years ago is, is are, are amazing. They were at a point of having low interest rates. They were at a point of assuming that the, the, the sort of the economy would just continue as it was. And now we're in a position of having very high interest rates or relatively high in comparison with what we've experienced over the last sort of 15 years. And so that's made the, 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 the situation you know, very different. It's meant that the way that people will run their companies is very different. The way that you'll finance your company is very different. It's going to mean a lot of people will, will um, go bust. It's going to mean that there's, there's a lot of changes in the way that people um, live their lives at the moment. And actually, that was, that's something you could never have factored in. And yet we set up the governance regime for our project based on maybe 20, 2018 principles or 2020 yeah. principles. And yeah. Um, yeah, we I think agile governance is so important. Yeah. And the ability to be able to, to deal with and run with the sort of appropriate governance in any project. When I look at the, the projects that haven't gone so well that I've, I've turned around over the years, I think the, the, the key has been in getting a governance system which is appropriate to the, the situation we find ourselves in yeah. and actually making sure that the governors uh, understand what they're responsible for. I, I once worked on a project where um, I, I asked to see how the governance system works. And I was told what you do is you, we've got a, a, a manual for the way that this area works. And that's, that manual has been agreed and it's part of a commercial sort of arrangement with a third party provider. And then I said, okay, you said, okay your requirement is set in this manual. And what, what you want to do is being determined by that manual on the way it's been set up. What information, what evidence do you have? What's the audit trail for that manual? What was the, the sort of the rationale for how it's put together like that? The answer is, mm, I'm not so sure. We don't know. That's, that wasn't something that we, um, you know, we, we really know about as a, as a group. And then I was asking, what about the measurement system? How do you know if you're getting what you're expecting from that huge, great sort of claim of requirement? I got some very strange looks then when I was starting to ask about how, how well are you doing? Are you on track? Are you fulfilling your strategic aims? Are you, et cetera. Um, and this was a group of people who were quite senior sort of civil servants and they literally had no information feed that in any way related to what was going on there. Wow. Now they, they had meetings about different elements of this particular con contract and they, they knew how much money had gone into it. They knew overall what was being delivered for that money. But they had no way of controlling any of the, the entities that were um, being delivered external to the governors. So the governors were pretty much detached from what, what they were trying to govern. Yeah. And the, the issue, the reason I got into this was because there was an efficiency drive and they wanted to make it more efficient. So the yeah. people at the top were saying, this isn't efficient. And, and I said, well, I wouldn't know whether it was efficient or it wasn't because we don't have any evidence one way or the other. It's anybody's guess as to whether this is actually um, useful or not. So by being able to bring evidence and data into that, yeah. being able to, to augment that by what, what sort of approach might we want to take, how might we, we caveat, sort of put some metrics into this, how might we build a metrication system for this, that was hugely uh, important in shaping the discussion around what we do. Um, part of that uh, piece of work was also how do you govern it? I mean, and I don't just mean in terms of setting the vision, the controls and the um, auditing, etc. Literally, how do you um, find someone who has reach right across not only one big government department, 
but also the contracting organizations that form part of the delivery of this and some of the contractors, etc. But it became very difficult to find any one individual. Now, you can work your way up gradually until you get to the permanent secretary at the top of a UK government department. And yes, there's some like the permanent secretary that have reached right across all that space. But you don't have to go very far down before things get into, you know, particular silos and you don't have actually that reach across. Yeah, another sort of element of setting up the, these sort of systems is making sure that the people who are theoretically in control of them actually have that control. Because if, you're, if you don't have the budget and the people in your area, if it's done through somewhere else, then you've got to collaborate. So it's interesting to see how, how the, the setup of these entities can be so important. In the private sector, people would be amazed that that can happen, but it can because we're dealing with really complex activities that span across a number of elements of a department, sometimes span across a whole lot of departments, and those right across the government. So getting governance to work in the public sector is particularly challenging. But I think it also has quite a lot of challenges in the private sector. I think just making sure that you're measuring the right thing and that you're heading in the right direction, making sure you set your vision appropriately, making sure that your people are aligned with what yeah, you hope to achieve. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like governance will also ensure that people are on the same page. If everyone on the team isn't sure where we're going, what we're doing, then you're not really helping achieving what the people at the top want to achieve. People are confused. You know, we need, we need that um, understanding. So yeah, governance is very much important. There's definitely, yeah, absolutely, it can make a huge difference. So there you have it. We need, we need more training for governance. I think it's one of the things that you, know, you can get a lot of training for project management. If you're a computer programmer, there's always computer programming courses. Strange enough, there's not that much in terms of um, governance courses. There's sort of how to be a senior leader type course, but there's relatively little on purely how do you govern an yeah. organization. Okay, so this was the Evolving Enterprises podcast, stories of growth and transformation. Thank you for listening. Thank you.